2: History will be made in America today. Donald Trump will become the first president of the United States to face a Senate trial after being impeached for a second time.
3: The absolute core of the case against Trump is that he fomented a rebellion against the United States government during his 70 minutes or so speech to his supporters around lunchtime on January the 6th.
2: Will Donald Trump be declared the first American president to incite an insurrection against his own government?
4: Donald John Trump thus warrants impeachment and trial, removal from office, and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit under the United States.
2: With Donald Trump's ability to run for office again hanging in the balance, what can we expect from the trial of the 45th president And where does this impeachment leave the Republican Party? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the second impeachment. Trump on trial again. On a clear, crisp morning on January the 6th, Tens of thousands of Trump supporters gathered in Washington, D.C., waving flags and chanting for what they called the Save America Rally.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the 45th president of the United States of America, President
2: Donald J. Trump.
3: On the day, Trump made a speech that lasted for about 73 minutes
2: The Times US editor David Charter was one of the millions of people who watched on TV as President Donald Trump took to the stage to rally the crowds. This was the day the election results would be ratified and Joe Biden would be officially recognised as the next president of the United States.
3: And you could hear that the crowd were very worked up and chanting things like fight for Trump and we love Trump.
2: That morning, Vice President Mike Pence had issued a statement making it clear he wouldn't block the confirmation of Joe Biden's victory, despite sustained pressure from Donald Trump urging him to do so.
3: Against this background, the crowd knew that Mike Pence was not going to overturn the election. All they had left was Donald Trump urging them to fight and never give up.
2: That morning, Vice President Mike Pence had issued a statement making it clear he wouldn't block the confirmation of Joe Biden's victory, despite sustained pressure from Donald Trump urging
3: him to do so. Trump opened his speech in a familiar way. Today
4: I will lay out just some of the evidence proving that we won this election and we won it by a landslide. This was not a close election.
3: Insisting that he'd won the election, insisting in fact that he'd won by a landslide, which was demonstrably not true and had been rejected in court case after court case. He told his supporters...
4: We're going to have to fight much harder and we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women... And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be
3: strong. And these were some of the words that have been highlighted in the Democratic manager's case against Donald Trump. However, shortly after saying that, which was quite early on in the speech, Trump did say...
4: I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and... Patriotically make your voices heard.
3: Today. So, this was 18 minutes into his speech, and the only time he used the word peacefully in connection with what was about to happen next. The Democratic managers make the case that he went on for another hour or so talking about how
4: we will stop the steal,
3: which is one of the slogans uh, chanted by the crowd and that they must ensure
4: that such outrageous election fraud never happens again, can never be allowed to happen again.
3: So this was towards the end of the speech. And then right at the end, just a minute before the end, Trump told his supporters they were going to march down to the Capitol building. And he told them, and "And we we fight.
4: We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore.
2: Less than an hour later, the Capitol was being stormed. America was witnessing an insurrection. Less than three weeks later, the House of Representatives voted to impeach Donald Trump by 232 votes to 197, making Trump the first president in American history to be impeached twice.
4: Article of impeachment exhibited by the House of Representatives of the United States of America in the name of itself and of the people of the United States of America against Donald John Trump, president of the United States of America, in maintenance and support of its impeachment against him for high crimes and misdemeanors. Article one,
3: incitement of insurrection. There is just one charge or article of impeachment, and that is incitement of insurrection. The absolute core of the case against Trump is that he fomented a rebellion against the United States government during his 70 minutes or so speech to his supporters around lunchtime on January the 6th, before many of them attacked the United States Capitol building and broke in, causing members and staff to hide in fear of their lives as supporters of Donald Trump marauded through the building, looking for them uh, and vandalising the very heart of American democracy.
2: The charge laid against Donald Trump is one of incitement of insurrection, but there are other charges
3: that could have been brought against him. The Democrats wanted the quickest possible trial uh, in the House of Representatives, and they felt there was no need to bring fresh evidence or witnesses, that the entire case against Donald Trump was made through his own words on the morning of January the 6th, backed up by months of preparation, they allege, leading up to this moment, with Trump claiming over and over again,
4: It's a rigged election. It's the only way we're going to lose.
3: This began... Before even the American election took place in November, there is other supporting evidence that's mentioned in the article of impeachment that Donald Trump carried out a pressure campaign against some of the states which voted against him. And mentioned in the article is his phone call to the Secretary of State of Georgia, urging him to find the votes he needed to overturn the results in Georgia, but by far the main front and centre case against Trump is the speech that he made to his supporters before they burst into the Capitol building.
2: I mean, what's fascinating is that so much of this is so open and public. Given how public all of that evidence is and you know how difficult it'll be for them to
3: argue against it, what is the defence's case? Trump's defense team have issued a short document setting out the defense case. The main line is that as he is no longer president, the Senate does not have jurisdiction to put him on trial. And they rely on this for language in the Constitution, which says that the punishment for impeachment is removal from office and disqualification. And they say that The way that it's phrased in the Constitution suggests that although Democrats are saying, well, we must press ahead because um, of the disqualification that's possible under the Constitution, the defence case is that the disqualification follows removal from office. It's removal and disqualification.
2: The disqualification part of the impeachment process is the prospect that if convicted, Donald Trump would be disqualified from public office, so he wouldn't be able to run for president in 2024. The Trump camp argue that he wasn't removed from office, and so disqualification shouldn't apply. But a recent poll showed the American public might be less keen on his future candidacy. 56% said Trump should be convicted and barred from holding office again.
3: This is a line that is disputed by the majority of constitutional scholars Mm. who point to precedent. In fact, the very first person ever to be impeached under the constitution had already been expelled as a senator and was nevertheless impeached to try and prevent them from holding office again. And there have been occasions where somebody resigned as a cabinet minister to avoid impeachment but the house went ahead with the impeachment and the senate went ahead with the trial and the democrats also argue that they began this process while donald trump was president so he was impeached which really means he was charged in a process in the house of representatives while he was still president And this is a continuation of the process. They wanted to do the trial while he was still president, but Mitch McConnell, who was then the Republican leader of the Senate, delayed the proceedings until after Joe Biden had become president.
2: Donald Trump's second line of defence will be to cite the First Amendment. When he spoke on January the 6th, he'll argue he was covered by his right to free
3: speech. But Donald Trump's defence team goes a bit further than simply claiming that his free speech is protected in the Constitution. And they actually say in their defense document that insufficient evidence exists upon which a reasonable jurist could conclude that the 45th president's statements were accurate or not, and he therefore denies they were false. So he's making a defense that he earnestly believed that the election was rigged and that there was widespread fraud and that he did win by a landslide. And so I think that defence is made because part of the proof that you would need to make for incitement is that Trump wound up to his supporters knowing that they would go and attack the Capitol building and break in and cause chaos inside the building.
2: And just on that first point from the defence, I mean, where are the constitutional experts on all of this? Because as you say, this has never happened before. They've never impeached a president who's already left office. Is that allowed?
3: So most constitutional scholars seem to agree because a precedent that although the constitution does not spell out whether or how uh, you can bring a former president to trial, it only talks about impeaching a president. In the past, Other elected or appointed officers of the government have been impeached and gone to trial, even though they've already left their job, either because they've been fired or because they've resigned.
2: In this constitutional tangle, most experts cite the case of William Belknap, who was the Secretary of War under President Ulysses Grant in the 1870s. Having been accused of corruption, he resigned before the House of Representatives voted on his impeachment. But the House voted anyway, and his trial was held in the Senate. He was acquitted in the end, as a number of senators believed they no longer had the jurisdiction to convict him.
3: So that's a very interesting case, argued on both sides, Mm. both um, as a precedent of bringing the case and by senators who say, well, look what happened in the Belknap case. He was acquitted despite overwhelming evidence against him. The majority of constitutional scholars believe that it's not unconstitutional to pursue a former president in an impeachment trial because of the provision in the constitution that not only is the punishment removal from office, but also disqualification from future office. And the argument there is that if it's unconstitutional to put a former president on trial for actions committed while president, then uh, a president gets a free pass to act as they wish in their final weeks in office and could carry out any manner of actions such as Emptying uh, all the jails of prisoners, stoking up an insurrection, as is alleged in Trump's case, without there being any constitutional penalty, which it is argued would be absurd.
2: Donald Trump's unprecedented second impeachment will be different from his first. This time, 10 Republican members of Congress have voted to impeach him, including Liz Cheney, one of the party's most senior members in the House. So this time, the former president won't be able to call the process a partisan witch hunt.
3: This is another big difference to the first impeachment trial. We're not even sure that there will be anybody called as a witness to the crimes because what is planned this time is the use of extensive video evidence taken on January the 6th, showing not only Trump's actions, but primarily the reaction in the crowd, minute by minute, to his words.
2: Last week, Donald Trump rejected a call to testify under oath at the impeachment trial, dismissing the proceedings as unconstitutional. Now that he's no longer on Twitter, we're no longer party to the constant stream of Donald Trump's inner monologue. But to find out what his camper thinking, we'll bring you an insider's view from the Trump entourage in just a moment. To enjoy more remarkable stories every day, subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times today and get one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. It's a historic day. Already the first president in American history to be impeached twice, today, Donald Trump will become the first former president to face a Senate trial. So, how is that affecting him? What's the mood like in the normally raucous Trump camp? To find out what the inner circle is thinking, Sarah Baxter, who writes the Sunday Times North America diary, has been speaking to Jason Miller, one of Donald Trump's closest advisers.
6: Hi, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Amazing to be reconnecting after all this time. Yes, let me, um, give
5: me a second here to pull up a couple things things. The mood
6: there. is one of supreme relaxation at the moment. They feel that Donald Trump is not going to be impeached. They feel that they have some rock-solid arguments against his impeachment. And they also feel that Donald Trump has a stranglehold over the rest of the Republican Party that is only going to
2: grow stronger. So they're feeling pretty happy. What gives him that confidence? What gives him his strength with the party, even now that he's no longer in the White House?
6: Well, what Donald Trump feels is that he's extremely popular with the base of the party and that congressmen have been told time and again by their own activists that they must vote to acquit, and that if they don't, they will be subject to a primary challenge. And these threats have been very effective. We've seen already that Liz Cheney, who is the daughter of former Vice President Dick Cheney and real Republican royalty and a very senior figure in the Republican Party, has already been challenged and faces a primary. And that's because she came out against Donald Trump's involvement on January the 6th. Liz Cheney voted to impeach Donald Trump in the House of Representatives, and the Trump campaign has not forgiven her. In fact, Jason Miller tells me.
5: To borrow a line from the movie The Green Mile, uh, she's a dead woman walking uh, in, the, in the political sense.
6: Wow. Now he wants it to be clear that that's a political threat, not an actual threat. But he says Liz Cheney uh, took a
5: vote that uh, likely will have ended her political career.
6: And they feel that Donald Trump is the most popular person in Wyoming. He won 70% of the vote there, more than anywhere else. And they're using their threats against her as an example as to what could happen to others. Tell me a bit about Jason Miller. Who is he and what's his role? Jason Miller is a, a senior advisor to the Trump campaign. He was brought on board initially in 2016. He was at the beginning of the Trump campaign. He was going to be the first spokesperson, the first head of communications for Donald Trump after he won the election in 2016. But then he had some personal entanglements that meant that he couldn't go into the White House. But he came back for Trump's 2020 campaign, and he is one of his key advisors and spokesmen. He was on Air Force One flying out of Washington with the Trump retinue, the Trump family and key advisors on inauguration day Joe Biden, he flew down to Florida with Donald Trump.
2: So what did he say about the mood inside the Donald Trump camp, but also with Donald Trump? How is he post his time in office?
6: Well, what Jason Miller explained to me is that Donald Trump feels like a big weight has been lifted off his shoulders.
5: I think there's something that literally, besides President Trump, something that literally only 45 other people in in U.S. history uh, can point to having felt. But uh, when they say that the the weight of the world is on your shoulders in that job, it's actually literal. It's not just figurative.
6: And that actually he's feeling pretty relaxed and uh, is enjoying seeing his old buddies down at Mar-a-Lago and enjoying playing golf, confident in the knowledge that his power, at least within the Republican Party, remains strong. And that he is definitely mulling over coming back in 2024 as the presidential candidate for the Republicans.
2: In terms of that, how much does this
6: impeachment process
2: matter to them?
6: Uh, Not much. They think it fires up the base. I put it to Jason Miller that Donald Trump's going to be in the history books having been
5: impeached twice and he'll be the only president to have been acquitted twice.
6: So... They're not embarrassed about it. They feel that that defines Donald Trump as the quintessential outsider that's been the key to his success.
2: So how long is the Senate trial expected to last? And could Donald Trump actually be convicted this time? Here's The Times US editor, David Charter again.
3: Both sides want to get this over and done with as soon as possible, I think. We're in the early days of Joe Biden's presidency. He doesn't want the Senate to be cluttered up with a long trial while he's trying to get his cabinet members confirmed. And while he's also hoping to get through his first big pieces of legislation, notably Uh, a $1.9 trillion relief and rescue plan that's really going to be one of his main pieces of legislation, perhaps of his whole presidency, he thinks. And without leaning on them too much, it's pretty clear that Joe Biden's expressed the, the view that for the sake of his legislation and for the country, that this impeachment process is got over and done with as soon as possible.
2: Do you think there's more of a chance of a conviction this time?
3: If I say there's more of a chance of conviction, that doesn't actually mean I think there's going to be a conviction, if you see what I mean. (laughs) Yes. Because this time, clearly, there are Republican senators, plural, who are likely to convict. In the first impeachment trial, just one senator, that was Mitt Romney of Utah, voted to convict Trump on just one of the two charges that he faced. This time, it's a different prospect. First of all, we've got to bear in mind that a two-thirds majority is required in the Senate for conviction. So that's 67 of the 100 senators. And as there are 50 on the Democrat side of the aisle, that means 17 Republicans would have to join in for Donald Trump to be convicted and disqualified from future office. So we know that there are really perhaps only five Republicans ...who were likely to vote to convict Donald Trump. We know that because at the start of the trial process in the Senate... ...there was a vote brought by Rand Paul of Kentucky... ...who brought a motion saying that it was unconstitutional to go ahead with the trial. And just five Republicans supported that vote, including Romney and four others... And so that's some way short of the 17 mm. that would be required for conviction. And if you're going into a trial with 45 Republican senators on the jury, having indicated that they don't think the trial is constitutional, it's a pretty strong indication that there won't be uh, a vote to convict at the end of it. Now, obviously, we have to leave open the possibility that there's some extraordinary evidence uh, presented that changes minds so much, 12 more of them vote to convict. But it doesn't seem likely at all.
2: If Donald Trump isn't convicted, is there a chance that this gives him a bit of a boost? Like last time he gets to call out fake news, claim that he's being attacked unfairly. Could this actually be quite good for him?
3: Well, there's no question that Trump will use an acquittal as evidence that he did nothing wrong, uh, that he had a perfect speech, just as he had a perfect phone call with the Ukrainian prime minister, if you remember, that got him into hot water that led to the first impeachment. Yes. Exaggeration and Donald Trump are best friends. And uh, that's certainly how he will campaign in the future, should he decide to try for the nomination because he will face a competition for the nomination, I expect, in 2024, if he goes ahead with it, or whether he's content to retain this kingmaker position, pulling all the strings, perhaps to prepare the path for Don Jr.
5: Two things could happen at the same time. It could be the kingmaker and he could still uh, run again.
6: Jason Miller told me he could be the presidential candidate again, but also determine who is also running in the House and Senate races. And they're very focused now on using that muscle in the 2022 election for the House of Representatives, and they want to make sure that their candidates win.
5: President Trump has $78 million in his leadership pack that he has already said that he will use to help elect uh, Republicans in, in 2022
6: we know that Donald Trump has been fundraising massively off the back of his stories about electoral fraud and they intend to put that money both behind candidates that they like and behind opponents of candidates that they don't like so that is the nature of the dominance of the Trump wing of the party the sort of sort of damocles they feel they can hold over
3: opponents there is a big moment of reckoning for the Republican Party. Uh, another of the speeches on January the 6th was Donald Trump Jr. really shouting at the top of his voice.
5: This isn't their Republican Party anymore. This is Donald
3: Trump's Republican Party. And that's a decision that, of course, the party has to make just how much they want to remain the party of Trump and they want to give Trump the possibility of running again in 2024 and not being disqualified from office. So we've seen all sorts of internal battles breaking out in the Republican Party over just how closely it should remain aligned to Trump. And certainly Trump wants to retain his influence He's very much looking to retain a grip on the party. And in fact, there's every sign at the moment that he's rather successfully retaining uh, that influence.
2: What did they say about the future? What was Jason Miller's great vision for where the Trump movement goes next? Is it running again?
6: Jason Miller told me that he personally would love Trump to run again and be the candidate in 2024.
2: My
5: hunch uh, is that he would like to, but also I think he uh, wants to spend some time with the family and get a little bit of golf in, enjoy the sun down there in Mar-a-Lago.
6: It's likely, in his opinion, that Trump wants to run again, but he's not in a hurry to make up his mind, and he doesn't have to. And of course, in some ways, the mere you know, prospect of it keeps his power going. So his hunch, though, was that Trump would run again. And he would also exert power over the type of Republican candidate who is standing for the House and the Senate in future.
3: The most powerful argument, of course, is that uh, 70 million Americans uh, voted for Trump. And obviously, it's not the case that every single one of them would die in a ditch for him. But that just shows you the strength of feeling out there for Trump. And certainly that's Huge leverage for him to influence who gets elected and who doesn't.
6: And then, of course, there's also what happens to Trump's children. Miller told me they developed very powerful brands of their own in addition to the powerful family brand name.
5: Kind of whatever they want to do. I think the sky's the limit. I don't think that a bid for political office is in the immediate future
3: for either one. I was at a Trump rally a year ago at the start of this election process. And when Don Jr. got up to speak, there was chanting of 46, uh, 46, meaning the 46th president. Of course, that's now Joe Biden. Trump himself did not win re-election, but maybe 47.
2: So although it's a big week with the impeachment, whatever happens doesn't look like Donald Trump's going anywhere yet.
3: Well, you say that life has actually been a lot quieter since the Twitter ban on Donald Trump and the removal, really, of his voice from the public sphere by the various social media bans, including Facebook and Instagram. I think there would always have been some degree of respite from his barrage of opinions after Joe Biden's inauguration. But at the moment, Trump is keeping his head down It may be connected with the trial. It may be connected with his desire just to have a break from the very intense hurly-burly of politics that marked the Trump era. But I think you're right that in the medium term, Trump is certainly not going away behind the scenes. And I think we'll find a way of getting back into the public debate pretty soon.
6: I wondered whether he was missing tweeting, whether his fingers were itching to get back on the (laughs) keyboards, and apparently not at all. He's really enjoying life outside the social media echo chamber and feels much happier and liberated as a result. And Melania feels the same. She feels that Donald Trump is happier away from Twitter. So that was very interesting because a lot of people assume that Trump has lost his voice as a result of losing his platform. But that's not how Donald Trump feels. He feels that he has the power through the Republican Party to make his feelings known. And as Jason Miller told me, Donald Trump is the Republican Party. And a Twitter ban's not going to change that.
2: You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, The Times US editor, David Charter, and The Sunday Times North American diary writer, Sarah Baxter. You can read more of both David and Sarah's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer today was Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Poppy Damon. And sound design was by Carla Patella. If you can, please do leave us a review. And if you have any ideas for stories you think we should be covering or any thoughts on what you've just heard, then please do send us an email to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you tomorrow.
3: Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times.